put our hands together for Hume for that video. That's awesome. Harry, Annalisa, thanks for you and your team. Uh, every session, we'll, we'll watch part of that video as we're really uh, tackling uh, the book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. And Hume's put together these videos to maybe get us thinking a little bit about some of the things these guys are saying. What are they talking about? This puzzle piece, understanding, you know, corner pieces fitting together and trying to make other things make sense, but it just doesn't seem to work in this puzzle maybe of life. And maybe you might find yourself thinking that, trying to find purpose and meaning and all those different things in different ways. It's just not making sense. And our hope this week is that we start to understand as we look at the pictures that, that video was just saying, understanding the big, broad picture of what God wants for us in our life. My name's Rich. I get to hang, hang out with you all this weekend uh, for a couple of sessions. My two kids are around here, August and Isley. Uh, you'll see us maybe dominating on some broom hockey and just kind of hanging around. We'd love to see you. But here's a question I'll have for you. Rhetorical question first. That means you're just processing it yourself. Um, if I was to... You know, give you, give, you, give you one thing, right? If I was to come to you and I had the power to say, you get anything, anything you want, what would it be? Think about it. I don't want you talking about it with anybody else. I want you to really think. One, one thing. I mean, just right now, you got to think. I come to you. Hey, you could have any, anything. What would it be? I want you to think about it. You got it? You got that thing? All right, tell your friend next to you. What would that be? What would that thing be? You get one thing. What would it be? Good? All right. No more talking to your friends. Zip it. Zip it. Talk to me. Hang on. Shh. I want to hear it. What are some things that was said? One at a time. Go. Go loud. Shh. Okay. All I heard over here. Wait. Wait. Yeah. All I heard was this. Whoa. Don't know what that means. All right. Shh. What is it? Let me hear. One person. Money. All right. Good. Wealth. Okay. World peace. What else? Bread, maybe? What in the balcony? What do you got? All right, all right. So listen, all right, listen up. We all would say different things. We all would say different things. And that's okay, right? You get literally a second to think about it. It might change over time. I bring it up because this thing happened in the Bible. And we, if you have your Bibles, hopefully you have your Bibles. We're going to bring them to chapel. If you open up your Bible to a book of Ecclesiastes... It's right in the kind of middle of your Bible. If you kind of open it up, you might hit a book called Psalm and just kind of uh, scroll over here just uh, to the right a little bit. You're going to get to a book called Ecclesiastes. This book was written by a guy named Solomon. Now, you might not know who Solomon is, but you probably know who his dad is, whether you've been at church or not. His dad was named, a guy named David. Now, again, you might not know David, but you've heard this story, I'm sure, whether you, again, go to church or not, about a guy named David versus Goliath, right? This kid conquers this giant. All sorts of stuff happens. He then becomes king, King David, uh, king over Israel. King David ends up dying, and then his son, Solomon, is now going to take over uh, Israel as king. It's a really big deal. Now, God comes to Solomon and says this. In a dream, he says this, right? Solomon, you could ask for anything. Ask for anything. And here, we would say, ah, give me more wishes, right? Or give me power. Give me money. Give me world peace. 
But Solomon asks for something interesting. He asks God for wisdom. And in that, God is really pleased and he says, great. Solomon, you want wisdom to be able to shepherd your people, to be able to to rule with wisdom. I'm not only going to give you wisdom, but with that wisdom will come all sorts of abundance of fame, popularity, money, things. You're going to get it all because you asked for the right thing, wisdom. And so Solomon, he becomes king, and that's a really big deal. Is he actually becomes one of the he becomes the greatest king, the richest king in all of Israel. Lots of land, lots of money, lots of power. And all is going well as he is following the Lord. He's keeping his eyes on the Lord. Everything's going well until he takes his eyes off of God. And his world starts to spiral out of control as he gets involved with things he shouldn't get involved with. He takes his eyes off of God and he starts going downward. And his life is falling apart. And we don't know exactly when he writes this book, Ecclesiastes. Most would suggest he writes it at the end of his life. So he went from the pinnacle, I have it all, to the bottom where it's like, man, I'm just kind of just depressed, and he writes this book, Ecclesiastes, which we're talking about. And this theme here, under the sun, is kind of, it's a theme here that we read about in Ecclesiastes. And the theme that Hume wants us to hold on to is this necessity of fearing God in this fallen and confusing world. What would it look like, students, for us to fear God in this world that we live in? And they take it out of the Bible, actually, the very beginning. We're going to talk about chapter 2 tomorrow. But this whole book is written where Solomon, this wise king, is just writing all of these things. That Look, I tried to do this, and it was kind of meaningless. It was worthless. I tried to do this, and it was just kind of pointless. There's a time for all of these things, but it's just, what am I doing with my life? comes to the end and he writes this at the very end of the book and if you're there chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes he says this in verse 13 when it's all said and done the end of the matter is this all has been heard fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man for God will bring every deed unto judgment with every secret thing whether good or evil The end of the book, the end, is he comes to it, he's like, I've done it all. I've seen it all. I've had the power, I've had the wealth, I've had everything. And at the end of the day, here's what I've come with. Fear God and obey him. That's it. What's it mean to fear God? It's this healthy fear, this being in awe of him, taking your eyes off of you and looking at him, having a healthy fear, right? We, if there was a big old fire pit up here, right, I'd have a kind of healthy fear of a fire. I, I, I want to be by it, and I'm kind of wooed by it a little bit, right? I'm not going to put my hand and just hold it in there. Why? Because I don't want to get brought. I have a healthy fear of that thing, but I'm drawn to it. What would it look like for us to be in awe, healthy fear of who God is? What does it mean to obey his commandments? Why would I obey him and why would I fear him if I don't know who he is? And that's what I want to talk about quickly tonight. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much for the students and counselors, youth pastors and staff in this room. God, thank you for your words. May they have an impact on the way that we live. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 
As I said, uh, my name's Rich. I'm a, I'm a youth, or I'm a, I'm a pastor down in Long Beach. And uh, I, before I was a pastor down there, I've been a pastor for about seven and a half years. I actually worked here at this camp uh, in Ponderosa High School camp. I was a high school director here for 14 years. Loved what I got to do, and, and it hewed me. I loved putting these fun videos together. Uh, it, was just, it was a great experience. Loved it. Seven years ago, moved or seven and a half years, moved down to Long Beach, and I just I very much enjoy my life down there. I'm a pastor, overseeing men's ministries, communities, adult stuff, just hanging out and you know pouring into the people. Hopefully, they're pouring into you. I just I'm such a fan. One of my favorite things to do as a family, my again, my wife uh, Alice, she couldn't make it up this weekend though. We've been married almost 17 and a half years. Uh, my kiddos are here. Uh, one thing I love to do because Long Beach is awesome. It's awesome weather all the time uh, for the most part. Sunshine, I love it. Right there on the beach, there's this strand. And we'll get as a family, we throw our bikes on the car, we'll get out, and we'll get on this sweet little bike ride on the strand where we'll just ride miles next to the ocean, sun is shining, music is playing, it is awesome. I just, I love that. I just wish you could go there. It's just, it's so, it's so, it's epic. I just love it. Being with my family, being in the sun, ocean, love it all. My daughter, she's a, she was a little, you know, little, little tyke, right? Uh, she didn't have as long a legs as dad and uh, her brother and, and her mom. So uh, at times, especially when she was a little bit younger, she had this little tiny bike with not the big gears. So as we're, we're going down, she can't keep up with us, right? And sometimes there was a little uphills. And so I don't know if she was, it was her idea or if it was my idea. We came up with this phrase, lock on. And I don't know where it came from, but I'm riding my bike and she's like, Dad, Dad, right? She's falling behind, and she screams, lock on. And that means now I'm slowing down, and she comes up right next to me. She holds onto those handlebars nice and tight. I got one hand on my handlebar, and I grab her arm underneath, uh, her, you know, right here on her elbow. She's locked onto her bike. I'm locked onto her. She's going nowhere. I got her, which is kind of scary if you think about it, because if she tries you know, to get away, she can't, because I, I I'm locked onto her. Now think about that. If something comes in the way, right, she might try to swerve to the left or the right, or what if she falls? Dad's got her. She wouldn't just lock on to anyone. Why? She locks on to Dad because she knows Dad. She trusts Dad. She knows Dad has the power, the ability. He, he loves her. So she's locking on to him. She wants to be right next to Dad in the good and even in the hard. And I bring that up, students, because in this room, as we talk about this theme, is the main verse is fear God, be in awe of God, obey him. Some of you might be thinking, why? Why would I fear God? Why would I care about God? Why, why would I obey him? And I think that that's a really good question. It's a question you need to probably ask yourself. In fact, I'm going to give you a moment. If you have those little booklets you just uh, got from Hume, grab those or gra and grab a pen if you can. If you didn't get a booklet, grab a piece of paper. Get a pen, though. Borrow it from a friend. I'm going to give you about eight seconds is all, right? Get it? Because it's important for you to write down two very important questions. So get a pen. Get that little booklet out, all right? I'll give you just a second. All right, here we go. Hopefully you got it. Here's your two questions. Ready? Write them down. These are two, I think, so important questions. Write them on a piece of paper. Write them in that booklet. Here it is. First question. You ready? Write this down. Who is God? Write it down. 
Who is God? Don't answer yet. Just write down, who is God? Now, if you don't have a piece of paper, I know you out there, you might be like, ah, it's time to close my eyes, go to bed. And you can. I'm not going to wake you up. But can I encourage you, student? These two questions are foundational. Who is God? And the next question, why should I care? And not me, why rich, why should I care? Why should you care? So, who is God? Leave a little space and then write down, why should I care? Very important questions. These are hard questions. And I'm going to give you all of about 40 seconds to answer them. It's not enough time. But I really want it to get quiet in here. And I want us to really think about the answer to these two questions. First one, who is God? Next one, why I should care. We'll throw on some music here just to kind of let it get quiet a little. Try to answer those two questions, yeah? Go for it. Don't ask a friend next to you. It's just kind of you. Who is God? Maybe you don't know. Maybe put a question mark. It's a really important question mark. Let's wrap up that first question. Who is God? Let's go to the next one. Why should you care? What I love about this camp is it gives you the space to be honest. A lot of you maybe have grown up in the church. You're told you should know who God is, but do you care? Write it down. Why should I, why should I care? about 30 seconds. All right. I know it's not enough time. I apologize on that. Here's the good news. You'll have tonight to think about that. You'll have tomorrow. You'll have all next week. In fact, these two questions, I'll be honest with you, still affect my life today. And I'm finding myself, the more I read God's word, the more this this idea of who God is overwhelms me. But as you look at that first question, go ahead and look at it. What you wrote down, if you didn't write it down, it's hard to interact with this, right? But it's important because I want you to really see this. Because maybe this starts to grow in your knowledge and love for the Lord as we talk about fearing him and listening and obeying him. We need to grow in our knowledge. So as you look at that, my first question to you is, what you wrote down, is it? Biblical, which means do you find it in the Bible? And you might think, well, I don't know. How do I know? One, you read your Bible, right? But the reason why I think it's important to know if it's in the Bible or not is because what I didn't ask you is who do you think God is? Friends, you've got to be overwhelmed just as much as I am of everybody's opinion nowadays. Everyone's got an opinion about everything. I don't care about your opinion of who God is. I'm not asking you your opinion. I'm asking you, who is God? And the best way to find that out is going to the source, his word, because he wrote us his love letter saying, this is who I am. It's not who you think he is. Go to his source. He says, this is who I am. So you get to look at what you wrote. Is it biblical? And if, if you think it is, 
Well, go ask someone. Go and find out, right? I think, it, I think God is love, right? So go find out maybe a, a place in the Bible where God says, this is me, I am love. The next thing is I think it's so necessarily, so necessary is why should I care? Because the way you answer the first question, who God is, determines the way you live your life. Think about this for a second. If, if some of you decided to write, you know, God is love, and you wrote that down, God is love, how come you walk into this room and some of you are feeling unloved? It can't be the same. God is either love, and if God is love, he loves you, you are loved, but sometimes you don't believe that to be true. How is it that we could say God is love and you don't feel loved? How is it that we could say God is hope? And I absolutely believe there's some of you in this room that say God is hope and you call yourself a Christian, but you don't have hope in your life. What about those that say God is king? God is in control. Yet you're living as if you're in control of your life. Do you see what I'm saying? Is we read the simple truth of who is God and if it's true about him, then our lives should replicate that. It's very important to understand. If we see God as a weak, unnecessary, just distant God, our life's going to react to that. We're not going to trust him. We don't care about fearing him, and we don't need to listen to him. However, if God is all-powerful, if God is all loving, if he, if he is active, if he's life-sustaining, friends, we're going to want to cling on to him. We're going to be in awe of him because of who he is. And we're going to listen to him because he says, listen. So quickly tonight, all I want to do is just go over a few things. As I read God's word, some different attributes of him stand out to me. And they're constantly not just changing, but I'm learning more and more about who he is. And all of it is just simply doing, it's making me take my eyes off of me. And it's lifting my eyes up to him. And as we have this theme that says, let's, what does it look like to fear God? The, the end of Solomon's life, he says, fear God and keep his commandments. As we have a right view of him, it takes our eyes off of us and it puts it on him and it just makes me do this. God, you are awesome and that's the point. So here's a few things that overwhelm me about God and, and maybe you have your own list and if it's biblical, then it's true about him. That should blow your mind. First one, he's eternal. Where do we find that? Genesis 1. First, first few words of the Bible. In the beginning, God. He has no beginning. He has no end. He is eternal. That should blow our minds. He's always existed. There was never a time where God was not. That, friends, those that might be asleep right now, man, you should wake up and go, woo, right? Why? This should blow your minds. Now, we'll see who's paying attention. Outside of God... Raise your hand if you know someone or something that is eternal. Outside of God, raise your hand if you know someone or something that has no beginning and no end. You don't. There's nothing. You can't. That's the point of God. Listen, let that set in. Because that, I literally could walk off the stage and you just do this. Well, that's pretty cool. The fact that God 
only is the one that has no beginning. He's always been and no end. He'll never end. That should blow our minds. It should melt our faces off, right? We should just simply be, well, that's pretty cool. The problem is, is I think we forget about his eternal nature and we go to church and we just do this. Meh. The fact that he's eternal should blow our minds and he should just alone make us do this. Whoa, there's something there that blows my mind, right? What else, right? He's all powerful. That is amazing. We read that here in Colossians 1, 16. Before all things and in him, all things held together. He has the power to create, control, sustain life. He gives us life and out of him, all life, all creation exists. I was speaking at a camp in Montana, and uh, you know, we walked out uh, of, of the chapel. Thunder, lightning is just all around us, man, and it is, it is awesome. And you maybe you've been in storms like that where this lightning, I just feel like it was like right there, right? And I just see it strike the ground, and, and literally there's just this like, I can't help but feel tiny. And I'm, I'm kind of like, dang, that, that is awesome, Right, so it's right there. And it dawned on me as I was so overwhelmed with this lightning, here's what blew my mind for that moment. Lightning's amazing. How much more insane is it to think about the God that said, now lightning, strike. Right, the God that actually created the lightning to say, now, strike, that should overwhelm us. The God that just, he creates life, he sustains life, he holds all life together. It should blow our minds, right? Psalm 115 says this, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. He's the highest authority. No one tells him what to do. It's his universe. And we're just living in it. And I think that's important for me. I've grown up in the church. I'm a pastor. And there's times where I think life is about me. And as I think about a right view of God, his eternal nature, and it's like, it's like whoa, that's cool. The fact that it's his universe, it makes me do this. All right, God, I'm listening. A right biblical view makes me look at him and stand in awe of him. Be overwhelmed by him. So he's, he's eternal, he's all-powerful, he is love. First John says that he is, God is love, right? I've got my kids here, you'll see them, I love them. And I could love my kids, I could love my wife, but here's the thing, I'm not love. I could be loving I could, I could, you know, show love to my friends, my family, but I'm not the definition of love. God says in his word, he is the definition. He is the source of love. And let that overwhelm some of you in this room that I absolutely believe. You're looking for love in all the wrong places. You're settling for a cheap imitation of love. You're longing for it. And God in his word is saying, I am the definition of love. Why not come to the source? Be overwhelmed by me. I am love and I will overwhelm you with it. We only think about that when we actually have a right biblical view. So God is love. Again, not just loving. He is the definition of it. He is personal. Genesis 3 speaks into that, that he creates his creation, he creates us. And in Genesis 3, it says he walks with his creation in the cool of the day. He, he enjoys us, and the Bible is full of God interacting with his people. He's not distant, and that should overwhelm you. 
Because it overwhelms, it overwhelms me when I think about the God of the universe knowing me. My kids and I, a few months back, uh, went to the Dude Perfect tour. I don't know if any of you guys were able to go to that thing, right? My kids are huge fans of Dude Perfect, right? We all probably know Dude Perfect. They, you know, go on, they make fun videos of doing silly things and make millions of dollars, right? So it, you go to this tour and they're shooting basketballs, they're throwing footballs into, you know, little pins and we scream and it's awesome, right? It, it's just these guys are awesome and they're known. They're doing all sorts of, uh, you know, unbelievable competitions and setting lots of different records. Well, one guy, his name is Ty, he was uh, up where we were at, up in the nosebleed sections, and, you know, uh, after a session, they were doing some stuff, they come running down, and my son, who was 13, loves him, loves him. He runs down just as Ty walks by, and Ty gives him high five, and my boy's like, oh, yes, he comes up, I was like, oh, yes, you did it. He's like, not, not, you can't hit this hand, Dad. You can hit this hand, not this hand. And he goes on thinking, man, Dad, this hand hit Ty's hand. Ty has set a bunch of records, therefore I kind of has set some records, right? Like, in his mind, he's so overwhelmed because he just got a high five from this guy, Ty. Now imagine thousands and thousands of people. Ty goes back down on the stage. So far down there. Imagine if he was to look in the audience and he's like, hey guys, I want to tell you about my friend August Baker. In fact, August, he's up there somewhere. August, hey, come on down here and hang out with me, right? If, if Ty was to say to August, come hang out with me, and he hangs out with him all day long, right? The fact that Ty would know my son would blow my son's mind. But what does Ty do? Throw basketballs from a stage and the crowd screams? Now take Ty out of the equation and put anyone who you think impresses you. And we as a society, we look to people like that. Basketball players, singers, songwriters, actors, whatever it is. We put them on a pedestal. Why? Because they have money. They have some fame. They have, they have power. They have the abilities. Yet the God that we just talked about, who's eternal, who's all-powerful, who's all-love, absolutely knows you personally. And again, we do this. Eh. So when we come to a camp like this and we say, hey, fear God and obey him, we're like, maybe. Because we don't have a right biblical view of who God is. Eternal, powerful, he's love, he's personal, he is life. John 10, 10 says, I, I come so that they would have abundant life. He wants you to have an abundant life. Not just, a, just an okay life, he wants you to have abundant life. And he says, in me is only where you'll find it. And lastly, he says, I'm holy. Holy, holy, holy. What does the word holy mean? It just means simply set apart. Unlike anything you know, that should blow your mind. Because here's the thing, I do believe that if I was asked, some of you, I'm like, hey, do you love God? You're like, oh, I do love. I love God. What else do you love? Chocolate. Cool. What else do you love? Sports. What else do you love? You, know, you name it. Here's the thing. What we've just done and what we continue to do, students, is we put God on the same playing field as chocolate or other things. And we wonder why we have a weak faith. 
We, have, we wonder why we come to church and we just don't feel God. Because we have a wrong view of him. He says, I'm unlike anything you know. So stop thinking about me the same way as other things in your life. Because I am holy. I am unlike anything. I am set apart. So set me apart in your mind. That's the purpose. And that's the point. And this list can get overwhelming. And what you wrote down, if it's biblical, is true about God always. And it should blow our minds. And that's the point. Because if we have a weak view of God, if we have a view of God that he's like, eh, he's a genie in a bottle, he just answers, you know, my wishes when I want, I don't really need him, then that's how you're going to live your life. But if we have a right biblical view of who God is, this eternal, all-powerful, all-loving, just life wanting to give you life-sustaining, just life and that he's personal, and that he knows us. If we truly understand that, friends, I'm telling you, you can't help but be in awe of him. As we have this theme that says, fear God and keep his commandments, be in awe of him and obey him. Because we have a right biblical view, we're going to not just want to be in awe of him, we're going to want to cling on to him. We're going to want to hold on to him. And when he says something, we want to listen. Why? Because we believe it to be true. We want to get our eyes off of us. We want to put on him. That's my hope. But the question here that you get to answer, who is God? And why should you care? I can't answer that one for you. I could just encourage you to go back to the Bible. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for my friends as we wrap up tonight. God, it's been a long day, obviously, so much with school and driving up here, getting to cabins, tubing, ice skating, meeting new friends. God, may we not miss an opportunity to really think about the most important things in our life, and I hope it's you. There's Christians in the room that have been following you for so long, may they process a right biblical view of you and ask the question, why does it matter? Is my life reflecting that? And if there's people in this room who don't know who you are, may they honest, just be honest and open about what you might be up to this week and ask questions. God, thank you for this camp. Thank you for the staff. Thanks for the counselors and youth pastors. Thanks for the students in this room. May we keep our eyes on you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.